Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Living Free podcast. And I'm your host, Tiffany Williams. And the purpose of this podcast is to encourage African Americans to think about traveling or even living abroad and expanding their minds about things outside of the United States. And to know that no matter what your background is, that there is a way you can do it for yourself. And today I have a new guest. His name is Taye Yu. Huru, is that correct? Do you want to yeah, say your yeah. name? <laughs> no, no, that's cool. Thank you for having me on the show. It's definitely an honor. Yeah, your um, your bio and everything was pretty jam-packed with so many things. I hope we can get through to talk about everything. But um, So you've been to over 60 countries. You've studied abroad. You're a hip-hop artist. You do tours to Africa, and you farm. <laughs> So let's yeah. let's go through each one of those and you know just explain how um, they all connect and if they do connect. Um, so can you just tell me like your background and how you grew up and got into traveling the world? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I started traveling at a young age. My mom, she was a bus driver and she worked for Greyhound, so those were the first trips that I took. So she would take us to places like New York. Cincinnati, Detroit, Chicago, you know, places within driving distance. So I just developed a love for traveling and, you know, seeing new places and meeting new people and trying new foods and stuff at an early age. But I didn't start traveling internationally until 2010 is when I got my passport. Okay. And uh, take me back to that first international trip. Like, how did you prepare and what was like the circumstances? Well, at that time, I was preparing to go to Amsterdam, and I knew somebody that lived there. So, you know, I was excited about going and having, you know, some friends there. And, you know, I was nervous because back then, you know, the Internet wasn't how it was today, where you could find a lot of information about uh, countries abroad. Because a lot of times when you look up other countries or other places, you know, it's always something negative. Or, you know, we have a lot of movies like Taken and Hostel. And you just think the worst thing is going to happen to you as soon as you step foot in another country. But the reality is a lot of countries, in particular, Amsterdam, where I was going, you know, it's a a lower crime rate, a lot less gun violence, less mass shootings. You know, it's a fairly uh, safe place. Yeah, that's something really important to talk about is safety, because even for myself, I do a lot of solo traveling and I I don't think about safety as much when I'm traveling abroad because I feel like it's no almost no matter where I go, it's going to be a lot safer than the United States. So that part of like my planning is like just reduced because I'm like, okay, this isn't America. I can relax a little bit. Of course, I still have to be smart about what I'm doing and everything. But just being in the United States, it's just like, okay, I'm in the United States now. I have to switch my brain back to being on high alert of everything and being inside before dark and checking behind the seats of my car to make sure nobody's in the back seat when I get in. So yeah. just traveling internationally, it just it's for me it's like a time that I can like relax and not have to be so on edge about everything. So that's really yeah. cool. So um what were you doing in Amsterdam? Was it was it study abroad or was it was it like a fun trip? 
Yeah, yeah. I was just visiting. Um, like I said, I knew somebody there. So at the time, I just wanted to go somewhere where I knew some people first. And I had a great time. The people that I were vis- that I was visiting, they're black people. They're from South America. So, you know, their country was colonized by the Dutch. So they moved to Amsterdam for a better life to, you know, find better work and better opportunities. So when I got out there, you know, I got a chance to check out the coffee shops, you know, because this was maybe 13 years ago. So weed was always legal out there. You could smoke weed and walk up and down the street. They got a real nice music scene. I was able to record some music. I went to some studios, met a couple artists out there. Uh, it was just a phenomenal experience. I went back and forth a couple times, so I might have went to Amsterdam maybe five times. Oh, wow. So you must really love it out there. Would you consider, like, moving there? Or I know you've been to over 60 countries. Did you ever find a place where you felt like that could be your new home? Um, well, I mean, in terms of leaving America, you know, I would definitely prefer to live in Amsterdam. However, you know, in terms of living somewhere uh, permanently or on a long term basis, I would prefer to live in a country that's in Africa or a predominantly black country, because I don't want to be a minority in one country and then move to another country and be a minority. You know what I'm saying? I want to be surrounded by people that look like me and the culture as well. Where I can identify it. I can wear my hair naturally. I can, you know, mingle and mix in. I could be under the radar. I don't have to worry about racism as much or at all. You know, things like that I tend to think about in terms of raising a family. That's something really important to think about, like, trying to blend in. And, like, for me, like, I i don't think I blend in as well in Africa just because I'm a little bit lighter than, like, sub-Saharan African people. <laughs> I don't know if that would work best for me to try to blend in, but even just like Africans and African-Americans, there's still like a lot of culture differences. So um, I know like physically it's probably easier to blend in, but still there's a lot of like cultural differences that, you know, it might be harder just because, you know, of being an American, you are conditioned to just think different ways than if you go to Africa. It's just like a different, different set of rules and things that you have to still get used to, even though like, yeah, we are from there from 400 years ago so how did you like immerse yourself into these different countries that you went to I mean for the most part you know I try to make it to the museums and the historic sites I try to learn about uh the greatness of the country the history and then I'll do my research before I go I'll google some things I'll go to YouTube check out the music check out the scenery read a couple books if I have time it just depends on the country and how interested I am and how long I plan to stay and different things like that. So, like I say, I really, really love being in Africa because, like you say, that's where we come from. That's where life started. That's where music and science and math and fashion, all of these things come from Africa. And Africa is the most genetically diverse continent on the planet in terms of ethnic groups, languages animals, mineral resources, climate, weather. So to me, that's just like the perfect place. But a lot of times we look at it as just being one place, but Africa has more countries than any other continent in the world. So, you know, you have a lot of choices. I know a lot of people think about Ghana or maybe Nigeria or South Africa or maybe one or two other places, but 
you know, that's definitely a place that I'm excited about learning because there's so much more to learn. Yeah, that's true. Can you tell me about any country that in Africa that isn't so talked about on social media? Like what was your experiences there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, all of my experiences for the most part in Africa have been great. I mean, no place is perfect. You know, Africa has its share of problems, but I think, let me see, um, to my understanding, like the majority of the Africans that live in America, they come from Nigeria, Kenya, Ghana, Egypt, and Nigeria. If I didn't, if maybe I might've missed one, but I've been to, I've been to South Africa, I've been to Botswana, Botswana is not talked about a lot. It's very safe, low crime rate, low cost of living. Uh, Zimbabwe, very beautiful. Uh, Madagascar, all the animals, one of the most biogenetically diverse places in the world. It's an island, but it's beautiful. So many animals and plants and wildlife that you won't see anywhere else in the world is in Madagascar. Cape Verde, uh, it's on the west side of Africa. It's 10 islands. They were volcanoes. They're dormant now. Only one of them is still uh, living and active, but very beautiful, very uh, different beaches. You know, they got the uh, black sand beaches. They got the white sand. They got the green water. They got the blue water. Uh, Senegal is amazing. Um, trying to think. I've been to Egypt, Ethiopia, Kenya. Seychelles is very beautiful. Some people say that Seychelles has the best and the most beautiful beaches on the planet. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, Google it. You you'll like it. You'll like they beat you. That's pretty cool. So, like, let's talk about your family a little bit. Like, was there like any pushback or hesitation from them when you, you know, started, you know, going to a lot of countries and just talking about like, hey, I'm about to travel and I'm gonna be gone for a while. Like, what was that like, especially in 2010 when there wasn't a lot of, you know, social media to know about what's going on over there. Um, in some cases, you know, some people, they were afraid because there was a lot of misconceptions about traveling. So, you know, all they know was what they see on CNN and Fox. You know, it's a war everywhere else and people are getting kidnapped and abducted. So, you know, they was worried. But then some of my family, they have traveled outside of the United States and they encouraged me to travel and take advantage of it, you know, while I could. That's good to have a a good support system. Did you like predominantly travel by yourself or were you with groups most of the time? For the most part, I travel by myself, but I do group tours. I take groups of uh, black Americans and take them to different countries in Africa, you know, and just try to re-educate them and clear up a lot of misconceptions, like I say, because most people, when I say I go to Africa, they think I'm in the hut or they think I'm around lions and, you know, a lot of wild animals, but they don't understand that Africa has some of the most beautiful cities developed and, you know, technologically advanced things that we have here. You know, you see people in Benzes and BMWs and Bentleys and they watch MTV and BET. They have iPhones, they have internet, you know. Yeah, that's important because, well, it's good to show, like, show both sides. Like, yeah, I'm sure there are people that live in huts, but there's people that live in regular houses and have electricity and air conditioning, so I think it's good that you uh, educate people and take them on tours because that's something I want to do like in the future. That's one of my objectives is to, you know, have 
you know, a program for like high school students, especially to start like traveling and take them on tours, you know, cultural experiences, you know, at that, that transition period of like becoming into an adult. And then later on when they get to college, then they're like more eager to study abroad because they already have that experience. So I think that's, that's something that being a black person and studying abroad is like not popular, especially at my school, which is, you know, a historically white institution. And I went on a study abroad trip to Prague this past spring. And I was only one of two students that was, you know, black. And it was a group of 40 students. And I know wow. that there are more students <laughs> that would like to go study abroad, but they just don't have the information or they don't, don't have the, the skills to be able to do it because you do need a certain level of, you know, self-confidence and, you know, knowledge about yourself to take those kind of trips, especially if you know, you're going to be a minority. How did you start your tour company and get people, you know, interested and, you know, willing to go with you to Africa? Oh, okay. I mean, I was just going so much, you know, people just kept asking and, you know, they wanted to go, you know, so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to start some group tours because I've been to about 15 African countries. I lived in South Africa for a year. I done spent several months in Ethiopia, several months in Cape Verde. I've been to Egypt maybe seven or eight times. So, you know, the more I go, the more pictures I post, the more videos and stuff I show. And people be like, wow, is that Africa? And more people would say, I want to go. So I've taken middle school students, high school students, young adults, elders, you know, a variety of uh, people. Cool. And like, did the kids and the parents go or was it just the parents um, letting their kids go with you? How did that work? Um, in some cases, well, they'll have an adult with them. So maybe they uncle, sometimes they mom, you know, it'll be somebody with them. Okay, because I was wondering, like, how would I start that type of program and then, you know, get the parents on board to let their child go across the across the world with a stranger, basically, to a foreign yeah. country. So, But I mean, you could do it. It's some it's some documentaries on it that I, I could tell you one about. And then I know a guy, he takes like a group of high schools. It's a high school in Miami and he takes them to Botswana. So I think some of the parents might volunteer and go, but not all of the parents. So, yeah, you do have to establish a certain level of, you know, trust in the community. You know, you're from that area and you live there and you, you know, you active in the community. People will see you and then, you know, you'll be able to do it. Okay. Yeah, I would like that information. Um, so could you tell me about your experience when you studied abroad and what, what, pro what school or what type of program was it? Yeah, I studied abroad twice. Uh, the first time I studied abroad was in 2014. I went to the Dominican Republic. So I always go to community college. I never really went to no university. So the programs that they had for study abroad was like China, Mexico, Spain, you know. So I wanted to go somewhere where, the, like, again, I say the people look like me, where I could blend in. When I was in the Dominican Republic, people thought I was a Dominican person. So it was a great experience not to be a minority. But, you know, however, I had to find a separate study abroad program online because I couldn't go to a study abroad program through my own school. So I found one through um, I can't remember the name of the uh, the company off the off the top of my head. But it, but nevertheless, it was a great experience. I stayed for like a summer, a summer semester 
And um, I ended up volunteering at an orphanage. I ended up volunteering at a community center. You know, every week I was doing this regularly. And then I have my classes maybe two or three days a week. And then while I was in the study abroad program, we would go to different, you know, historic sites and uh, vacation spots. You know, we would go to different cities. You know, we would hang out on the weekend on our off days with the group. So it was real cool. It, it was life changing. The best part about it was working with the kids in the orphanage. We would repaint the orphanage. We would donate clothes, donate money. And I got a chance to tutor the kids, work with them. I would bring in my laptop, let them play games, you know, because a lot of them never played with a computer before. They never had one. They don't even have a home. They don't have a mom and a dad. So it was good to um, to have that experience. Then I studied abroad again in 2016. I was in Brazil. So that, I stayed for like a semester, like a spring semester. And that was that was a great experience as well. I didn't get to interact with the kids as much, but I did get to learn more about uh, the slave trade and African history. Because in Brazil, it's different from America. It's more black people in Brazil than America. So during like the slave, uh, the slave trade, they had more rebellions. So when they ran away, instead of like, you know, going to the Underground Railroad, they would build a slave community and they would build slave kingdoms and they would fight with the Europeans. And some of them were successful. You know, they would remain free for generations. And sometimes they would raid the Europeans and take their weapons and take their food and stuff. But we don't, we're not taught that in America. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like a whole different perspective. And in Brazil, people would say like, OK, this food comes from Angola. Or this martial art comes from Angola or this uh, religion comes from Nigeria or the Europa people. They're more in tune and connected with their African history before slavery. Yeah, I have been uh, learning more about um, Brazil um, through Capoeira. I think you did say you practice that um, also. Yeah. So, yeah, I've just started that maybe a month or two ago. I'm not consistent as I should be but just like learning that this type of martial art was used was created by the slaves you know to as a disguise to defend themselves to make it look like a dance can you like tell me more about your practice and how you connect with that yeah yeah it was a great experience so capoeira comes from Africa it in Brazil but they use they utilized it in Brazil and that's one of the things they'll they'll openly tell you that like we got this from Africa and they'll be specific about it. We got this from Angola. They know where it can, where you know where it comes from. And what happened was they were doing a dance style. And when the Europeans, the slave masters were around, they would just think like, oh, okay, the slaves are dancing. They playing a little violin or some strings. They having a good time. You know, they done what they work for the day. And then when the Europeans would go in at night, they would use these same exact dance moves to strike and to kick and to block and to you know, uh, counter attack if someone, you know, was trying to uh, subdue so effective that they made it illegal. You know, the Europeans was like, y'all can't do that no more. Y'all ain't allowed to dance. Y'all can't do none of that stuff because y'all are overthrowing our plantations. And, you know, a lot of Europeans got hurt because they got caught by surprise. History is is interesting because it depends on who tells the story. That's that's the part of history that you learn about. It depends on. Yeah who's writing it. So like when you learn more about history, like how did you come back and assimilate back into 
the United States, especially when you've gone to countries where you weren't the minority and then you have to come back? Like, how was that transition like? Man, it's like a reverse culture shock. <laughs> the more I travel, the less I want to come back. You know, I feel kind of bad when I come back because you go to Africa, black airline, black flight attendants, uh, you go to the ATM, take out the money, the people on the money, black, the taxi driver, black, the president, black, the mayor, black, the fireman, black, you're driving down the street named after somebody black. And then you come back to America and it's like the opposite. You know what I'm saying? So to re to make that readjustment, it's not natural and it's not comfortable. However, I have family and friends here. So, you know, I do got to visit and stay in touch um, with my people, but also I just try to do my best to share the information share positive things because I know our people really for the most part have only seen negative things about Africa and black people in, in particular. And I, I, I use Africa for an example, because like Malcolm X say, if, if you can't hate the tree, I mean, you can't hate the roots and not hate the tree. So if your perception of an African person is negative, you're going to think that way about black people all around the world. So once you get it understood that this is where life started, this is who taught us all these wonderful things that we're utilizing in your perspective about black Americans or Brazilians or Jamaicans or anyone else that's black. It will have to change. Yeah. And I think another thing that us Americans have to change is like what we think of as poor and what we think of as rich, because I know when I went to Mexico, well, before I I felt like, oh, I can't be without my washing machine and I don't know how to live without a without air conditioner and things like that. But when I go to these places, even if they don't have that, does that doesn't make them poor or it just means that they can they can do without that kind of stuff and it's more efficient for them not to have it. So I think that's another perspective that people have to think have to shift their minds on what what actually is being poor and just because you walk bare feet that doesn't mean you're you know poor you know just because you have an outhouse that doesn't mean you're poor it's just how people are more comfortable living yeah yeah that's a good point i mean that's a part of the reason why i'm a farmer and a beekeeper because we are animals we are humans when we came into this world you know, we didn't have all of these gadgets. I wouldn't even say it's technology, it's just gadgets. So you, so you could do less work and it's a hindrance because, for example, we supposed to be in nature, but we spend the majority of our time in the house and we leave out the house, we get into a car and we get out the car, we go into the office or the school or the supermarket or what have you. We wearing shoes all day. You know, these things are not natural and we have a lot of stress. We have a lot of depression. We have a lot of things going on in our life and we've cut nature out, you know. So when our feet touches the ground and the soil or the sand, it produces a natural dopamine, a natural chemical reaction in our brain. When we touch animals, you know, most people, when they touch an animal, they smile or they feel good. You know, if they petting it, if it's like a lion or something, they're not going to be happy. But for the most part, when we touch plants and trees and fresh fruit, you know, our body needs those things. We need the sun. We need fresh water. So we've been, especially African people, black people, we've been stripped from that. You know what I'm saying? And that's one of the big things that we're missing. It's like a part of our spirit, a part of our livelihood. So, you know, just because it's not as technological, it doesn't, it's a tool. It doesn't really equate to an emotion as, for example, happiness. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I do. Because, well, for me, like, I love being out in nature. And, of course, I don't like getting bit by mosquitoes 10,000 times. But I wish there could be some technology to remove that part about nature. <laughs> but, like, I like I like being in nature. I like being near the ocean like or finding some type of stream or river to just put my feet or hands in. And like I've even, you know, got into farming last summer um, just because I, I wanted to get more connected with the food that I was growing because or food that I was eating because I study nutrition and I felt, you know, it would only be right to like understand how the food grows before I can tell people, hey, eat this. And I don't even know where it came from. So I, I really enjoyed just putting my hands in the dirt. Like some days I would just put my hands in the dirt and would just feel like energy was coming up from the ground. And that was an yeah. amazing thing just to see a seed turn to a flower and then start producing fruits. It's like I've never seen okra grow on a on the plant that it came from. So that was like, oh, my gosh. Wow. I've been right, missing out right. a lot. So and even like my great I was fortunate enough to you know, experience having a great grandmother and she passed away when I was maybe 16 or 17. But, you know, those all those years, you know, she would have a garden and plant flowers. And I was like, why do we have to do this? I want to be inside watching TV. <laughs> so I didn't appreciate right. it then. But now it's just coming full circle. So that's interesting. I haven't got into beekeeping yet. <laughs> I would like to try to put my hands in in beekeeping but that's that's something on my list <laughs> i'll get to that at some point yeah that's real cool i mean you was blessed to you know have somebody you know in your life to show you them things and plant that seed early on so like you say it may sprout later in life but yeah bees are real cool like you say a lot of insects including bees people look at them as a nuisance i don't know what the purpose of a mosquito is but i know the bees serve a tremendous purpose so if they die humans gonna die you know we need worms to help the soil so if the worms die we gonna die so a lot of these things we got to have them in our life and then once we reconnect with them we'll have a better respect for them and the understanding and, and it it helps with stress and depression and anxiety which a lot of people are going through especially since the pandemic so even if i'm having a bad day a bad night and i wake up in a bad mood when i go out in that garden and I mess with my chickens, I, I check my beehive, I check my crops, you know, I harvest the fruits and vegetables and I eat them, you know, that, that helps pick me up a lot. Yeah, that is true because when I was doing the farming, I was working with the farm manager and, you know, some days I would be have going through my own personal problems and I just like, let me just go out to this farm and put my hands in the soil and just have my brain fried by the sun and just forget about <laughs> the problem that I have in my life so just mm -hmm. maybe for four to six hours it was just like taking my mind off of something that wasn't even that big of a deal in the grand scheme of life you know sometimes we look at things like really up close and then if we just zoom out and see it from a bigger picture it doesn't even matter so farming really helped me do that yeah you're right you're right yeah, and I wanted to ask you about your music because you've done a lot and you on your podcast too, you have a lot of uh, musicians and things. So can you just talk to me about how you incorporate music <laughs> into everything else that you got going on? Yeah, definitely. I've, I've always loved music. I'm a hip hop artist. 
and I record. I don't work with artists all around the world, um, in the Dominican Republic, in Senegal, South Africa. I shot music videos all over Brazil and different places. So music is like a universal thing. You know what I'm saying? If, if you're a musician, you're going to love and respect the next musician, no matter where you at, even if y'all don't speak the same language. So I've been fortunate to go to music studios all over the world. I just love making music. So the content of my music is, you know, usually uh, centered around the theme of black empowerment, black excellence, uplifting black people, black women, black men, the black family. So what's your opinion on like today's hip hop artist or what they call mumble rap? Uh, I don't really consider it hip hop. It's like a sub genre of hip hop. Like it's kind of like if you look at rock and roll, when uh, Chuck Berry and uh, what's the other guy, Little Richard, that was rock and roll. You know, the way that they dress, the way that they look, the way that they sounded is totally different from like uh, punk rock or heavy metal or alternative rock or what, you know, the Beatles and what Elvis was doing or what Led Zeppelin or Kiss is doing. You know, so it's just like mumble rap, crunk, snap, gangster rap. It's not really like the original hip hop, you know, with the break dancing and the turntables and the graffiti and the positive messages uplifting black people. It's just like something else. Drill music. Yeah, I do. I like music. Well, I love music, too. Like I love traveling and everything else. So I I would like to do that at some point to just like learn about how to create music because I like to write a lot. So I would like to oh, try cool. songwriting or producing and things like that but I just I have I do a million things and I don't <laughs> I'm not good at any one of them in particular right but so you I, just gotta try because yeah like I say it, it could be good for stress relief and anxiety and depression and stuff like that but also like you know going to different countries you get to hear the music that they listen to because they know what we listen to they know about Tupac and Biggie and all these great artists but we missing out Cause we don't know what they listening to. So that's a good thing. And when, you know, listening to music, that could be stress relief in itself. Even if it's not you, if you're not the artist, you might find your favorite artist in South Africa or Nigeria or Ghana, or you might fall in love with a song from an artist from, you know, anywhere. Yeah, that is true. Um, especially with like the Afro beats and things. And mm -hmm. even, um, well, in, when I was in Mexico, I listened to a lot of reggaeton, which is kind of like, the the rap here that we don't like but it just sounds good and I don't even pay attention to all the bad words that they're saying because I don't right, understand right. it. I just listen to the beat but like how do you feel about you know the well the growing popularity of Afro beats man I think it's a good thing I mean like I say it's just going back to the source where music started you know what I'm saying so anything that's positive and going back to Africa I'm with it I'm all for it yeah, and how do you get connected when you um, meet different artists from around the world? Do you reach out to them on online, or do you just link up when you get to the place that you're going to be? Uh, a little bit of both. Some some I meet online, and I build a relationship with them. Like, oh, yeah, like if I'm going to a particular country, then I'll look up different musicians and artists. But then a lot of times, sometimes I may know people there already, and then they may introduce me to somebody like, is it a music studio around here? Or do you know anybody that rap? And they'd be like, yeah, I know a lot of them. Come on, let's go. You know, so it's it's not difficult at all. I mean, you got a cell phone, so a smartphone. So 
you could you could definitely make it happen. Yeah, that's really cool. I would like to just just try to be an international artist one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and one last thing before we go. Like how do you envision yourself like if if you have a family like a wife and children or whatever like do you see yourself, you know, doing that in the United States or are you waiting until you settle down in another country? Like what's that type of family planning look like for you? Uh man, I know I'm gonna be living in Africa for sure. So it's it's gonna have to happen over there. It don't have to happen over there, but that's where I want to end up. If it's up to me, you never know how the cars play out. But if it's up to me, I want to be living in Africa, living with my family, raising my family in Africa. So, and if not Africa, somewhere else that's very very black. It's a lot of black people there. <laughs> not Cleveland, Ohio. Isn't it black there? Yeah, it is, man. Cleveland is very <laughs> black, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's still America, though. So, <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel too. Like I, I really do not see myself in the United States for a long time, and I don't know if my family is understanding of that. You know, I do tell them, you know, how what is going to be like at some point, but I don't think they've set in with the reality of that happening. They just think. It's, it's just talking, but, you know, have you communicated that with, you know, your family and friends that, hey, I'm eventually going to be not here <laughs> for the majority of the year or your life? Yeah, yeah, definitely. They already know. But, I mean, it's always open for them to visit. And then I could come back and visit, too, because some people look at it like, oh, you moved away. So we'll never see you again. And especially now we got you could do video calls. You can, we, you can video and FaceTime your family every day if you're really feeling like that, if you really want to see them all the time. So it's not like you're not going to see them no more or never return, but, you know, you're just trying to um, provide a better life for yourself. Yeah, I think especially for me, like, it's like people, they get comfortable with the instant access to you. And if you move, it's like, yeah, I can call you every day, but it's not like you're down the road or I can tell you to come over in 20 minutes and let's do this thing. So I think that part, just not having, you know, instant access to just drop everything and be at their service is that's the part that really is is startling to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends on your family too, because some families spend more time together. So I can understand it. Like if you eat every Sunday with your family and you see your family every week and I don't see my family all the time like that. You know what I'm saying? Even when we're in the same city, we don't hang out every day or every week or regularly. But but some people do do that. You know, they have more of a, a tradition. It may, you know, it'll be a large void. You know, this person not here every Sunday no more. Or this person not here every month. You know, I can understand that. So it just depends on the family. Yeah, that's true. But did you ever think that your life will be like it is now? Like when you were, you know, like in middle school or high school, did you think that you would be traveling to 60 countries, being a farmer, being an international hip hop artist? Did you think that was going to happen to your life? No, I, didn't, I can't say I, I didn't think that way, but it was just so much stuff going on because, you know, when you grew up in the city, in the inner city or suburbs or whatever you know as a black person you see so much violence and death and you see people my next door neighbor he got killed when he was 15 so 
You know, you can't see that far ahead and then you don't see anybody else doing it. You don't see examples of it. So you dream about it. You know, I, like Biggie say, I had all the pictures on my wall. I used to write down all the places I wanted to go. But to actually do it, you know, that's another thing. And you don't have no guidance. You don't have no blueprint. You don't have a father to say, this is how you do it. Or you don't have a person to say, here go your passport. I'm going to take you and I'm going to show you how to do it. So, you know. Yeah, I have that, you know, same experience, too, when I was growing up, just realizing even that it doesn't matter how young you are, you get that doesn't mean you have a long life ahead of you. So the fact that, you know, I'm still alive, it just gives me more reason to do all the things that, you know, the people that have died can't do and the people that are still alive, but, you know, they don't have the resources or even the mindset to do it. I have to do it and show them all the things that are possible. So I appreciate you. Doing all that you're doing and keep inspiring me and everybody else in Cleveland and around the world. So I want to thank you for uh, joining me today and sharing your story. Oh, likewise, thank you for having me on the show. It's definitely an honor. I truly appreciate you. Do you have any um, like social media or that you want people to follow you that they can check out your music and your podcast? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I got a website, tayeuhuru.com, T-A-Y-E-U-H-U-R-U.com. My Instagram is tayeuhuru, my TikTok, tayeuhuru, my Facebook, tayeuhuru. And my YouTube with my podcast is tayeuhuru. Great. Keep it simple all the way across the board. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I want to... Thanks again, and I wish you the best with all of your projects. Let's keep in touch. All right. Likewise, Queen. Take care. Okay. Bye. Peace.